0: everybody and welcome to another bp movie journal the show we do where we talk about the stuff we've seen since the last time we did one of these i'm david i'm tyler it took me a minute to realize like the hell is he doing why is he saying we oh i got it yeah because uh, uh last week i did another solo journal um mm-hmm. catch um, me up what what what'd you talk about that would be, <laughs> <laughs> <to> be <different. laughs> um, uh, and i did notice like maybe people who like um downloaded the podcast or 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 whatever right away saw that or was not no maybe it wasn't in the i can't remember if it was in the podcast description on the website when i was like writing the description i did out of habit write tyler and david discuss the movies they've been watching and i had to go back and yeah i think it was just on the website that i did that and i had to go back and, and and change it um but uh now you're back i am um you won't be back on the journal for a while at this point I guess that's true. Not yeah, till after Comic Con. We're doing this a little early. That's right. That's yeah. Right. We're doing this. So okay. after Comic Con is the next time you will be right. on the on the journal. I'll try and see as
1: much stuff as I can. Yeah. As always. Um, so, although yeah. I guess by then I will, I'll be teaching again. I'm teaching uh, that uh, uh, study tour program. They've started it up again, thankfully. Oh. So I'm excited to do that.
0: Those ragamuffins. Those ragamuffins. <laughs> I don't know. I don't
1: know what uh, what ragamuffin is uh, in Italian but I'll have to ask them.
0: <laughs> um, all right, well, uh, what have you been watching? So uh, some of this is stuff that I, I just,
1: I assume you've been talking about because I know that it's stuff that you've seen. Um, so we'll lead off with, uh, oh boy, see, this is this is uh, how you know that the auteur theory isn't always 100% uh, accurate. Okay, Joseph Kaczynski's Top Gun Maverick. The real auteur of that movie is obviously Tom Cruise. Um,
0: <laughs> I see what you're saying, but I mean, if you've seen Joseph Kaczynski's right, movies, yes, like yes, there's a lot I, of I don't him, think I have, yeah. Especially um, the opening sequence of Top Gun Maverick, which mm. is which is beautiful. The uh, test flight sequence yeah. is uh, like that, that's very Joseph yeah. Kaczynski.
1: I don't mean to I don't mean to bash him. I don't mean to say that he's like a, a bad director or a nondescript director or anything like that. It's more just like tom cruise has so much control over yeah. his projects that yeah. he picks his directors and they do what he says but they're also very capable uh, as we've seen from some of the uh mission impossible films but uh so yeah so top gun maverick um
0: yeah I and mean, i think he picks good directors. yes i don't think he is the type of actor who picks directors he knows he can like what's what i'm looking for kick around <laughs> Yeah, yeah push around whatever yeah. like I think Tom Cruise is very serious about wanting his movies to be good and so he picks directors yes. that he works well with but also directors that he thinks are are good and so there's a reason it's yeah. like, and that he in, doesn't get nobodies to direct these movies it's Christian right. McQuarrie and Brad Bird, and right Jeff Kaczynski has obviously handled um, some big uh, movies in the past including at least one Tom Cruise movie Oblivion which right. I
1: like which I actually have not seen it looked good to me but I never saw it Um yeah, so uh, so here's the thing. This happens every once in a while. There will be a movie that comes out that I don't particularly enjoy, and I'm absolutely willing to say it's just me. I didn't like the first Top Gun. I didn't like it when I was a kid. I didn't like it when I was an adult. This movie, like the thing that everybody is is saying is is so great about it, is that like it evokes the first Top Gun so so much. And it's like it sure does. Insofar as I'm like glad it we're just starts doing these journals
0: together. Okay. Because they re, they get me out of my bubble. Because okay, y, you when we talk about the same movies, your frame of reference about what the conversation is is often oh interesting drastically different than okay. than than mine. Um, so I, I just like uh, I'm I'm glad to get that point of view. But that's not evoking the first one is not anything that I've really heard people. That might Dwell. not be the
1: right uh, tonal extension of the first one, maybe uh, like a uh, continuation that it's not doing something drastically different as opposed to like when you watch like some of these legacy sequels, like, you know, a movie that I'll be talking about later, which will be Jurassic World Dominion. I recently rewatched Jurassic Park, as I often do. Mm-hmm. You watch that and you watch Jurassic World Dominion. And you're like, these do not exist in the same universe, whereas Top Gun Maverick and the first Top Gun they do. They they do feel similar. Like that is definitely something that Kaczynski's trying to do, uh, and I think successfully. The problem is that I didn't respond. I don't respond to this story. I don't respond to these emotional beats. There's nothing objectively wrong with them. It's just not for me. Like I can I can respect uh, and appreciate like the high flying sequences, and I know how difficult they were, and I know what goes into them, and yet. I felt almost nothing. That's so strange. The Val str- Kilmer so scene. I felt something there, but that was because of real life stuff.
0: But just the, the mechanics mechanics of the action movie part of it. That's what I like. Sure. To me that's the thing about Topic of Maverick that I think I said on my own on the journal last week is that like every time they're in the air, the movie's amazing and the movie never lets itself go too long without getting them into the air for it to get too boring. Because I do think, like, all the Jennifer Connelly stuff is boring. Um, I didn't care about any of that. I did... uh, Did you... Did you rewatch Top Gun? <laughs> no, but I know that her character is like referenced. Yeah, in, I rewatched that one. it the night before. Yeah. Which, so I, that's the only benefit it gave me was like, oh, that's the who they were talking about. Yeah. Like when she showed up, I was like, I know who that is. I'm a Top Gun. But I also don't like Top Gun. I liked it as a kid. I I don't like it now. But I think what you're talking about, the thing that I can find common ground with what you're talking about the 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 like evoking or maintaining the spirit. Mm-hmm. To me, it's not specifically the spirit of top gun it's the spirit of a sort of like pre like i guess mcu pre john favreau pre joss whedon version of big budget action making where action filmmaking where the characters aren't above it all the characters are not like commenting ironically there's not an attachment you know like there's a part like one of the biggest laughs in the movie is from, for me, is from Miles Teller. And it's not that it's a joke. It's that, like, an enemy plane pulls this crazy maneuver and Miles Teller just goes, holy shit, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and just, like, there's something so earnest about that reaction as yes. opposed to him, like, yes. doing, like, a Captain America or, like, Poe Dameron, like, yes. comment on it, you know? Um, I think I think that that's is, what that people are responding to. Not yes. specifically Top Gun, but that it feels like it's not trying to be the... Uh, post ironic uh i I would
1: definitely agree with that and and that is definitely we've we've talked about it on here before it's something that i have grown tired of there's there's still a way to do just like everything there's still a way to do it well but i think most movies just do it by default uh and they don't put any thought into doing it well yeah uh and so like the idea of a movie like this which um it's just big and and broad and it's not particularly deep and that there's absolutely nothing wrong with that that is not a slight uh it just is not it just doesn't push any of my buttons like all of the all of the pleasure buttons that it pushes are purely like intellectual I can appreciate how difficult it must have been to make this and I am impressed by it but I am not engaged by it and the issue is completely mine it just doesn't I don't think there's anything wrong with the movie it just it's not my kind of movie
0: um are you generally not like a big action guy like i mean i guess that's the thing is i felt i described this last week on the on the journal Mm -hmm. that like for the last like 40 minutes of the movie me and my chair made a triangle there was the back of the chair there was the seat and there was me so (laughs) stiff with tension that i was just like you know bridging the edge of the seat and the top of the back of the chair it just like as pure action filmmaking especially like you said on that scale yeah i found it overwhelmingly beautiful and also very clear to, Yes, like i always knew what order the planes were in and yeah. who was in what plane and which planes were quote unquote our planes which planes are their planes yeah if we get into the uh yeah, politics that, of the movie it's probably it, not a good yeah, idea it, get, it gets
1: a little dicey but and i yeah and it's I do like action movies. Like when I think, especially kind of from that era, or maybe a few years later, I love Speed. I love The Fugitive. Um, Speed being like to me like a a top five action movie of all time. And Speed feels a little bit like that. It might be a little bit more conventional in so far as like having a certain type of villain and that sort of thing. But yeah, I'm not opposed to it. But for whatever reason, the world of Top Gun. I think also, look, I'm not at all opposed to the military and. Uh, and and, uh, and movies about the military, and there are people who are like, "Oh, this is very pro-military." It's like I don't give a shit. Um, even if that's what it is, I don't actually care. But whatever, for whatever reason, just like that kind of, there tends to be almost a sort of shorthand when you're dealing with characters that are in the military. It's just sort of assuming that we will bring a weight to it, and understandably so. But for whatever reason, I, it's in a way, it's almost I, this is strange. It's, it's almost like Passion of the Christ. Now there are some genuine things that are that are uh, off-putting about Passion of the Christ, but it's Mel Gibson, which is like big-picture filmmaking, big mm-hmm. and broad. Uh, of course, a lot of a lot of my fellow Christians are like, oh my gosh, I loved it so much, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate it absolutely. I went to see it and I felt nothing, and they're like, how could you feel nothing? Like you're a Christian? It's like I know, weird, right? <laughs> it's like I like any time a film just sort of assumes the connection and then doesn't necessarily and this i might be i it assumes the connection and doesn't do in my view the legwork to create that connection i tend to not have a I, i tend not to connect yeah i i like jesus when i see passion christ feels like a stranger to me and similarly here it's like okay they all seem to be operating on this wavelength and they don't seem to be putting in the work to get me on that wavelength, and nobody else seems to be bothered by that, and maybe rightfully so. Maybe it's just for whatever reason, it just I was always at arm's length from it, and
0: I, I, don't, I don't know. It's I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I think it just has to do with like the sliding scale of what you appreciate about the yeah. movie, and, and, and the action stuff was all worth it to me for that, because that what you described that phenomenon of just like introducing a character and assuming that you yeah. uh, the audience is already going to feel a certain way uh, about about them yeah that bothers me uh, too and it's a big part of why I didn't like The Passion of the Christ but uh, The Passion of the Christ didn't have f-18s <laughs> that's true that's true um
1: you know what maybe if this had jesus yeah and that had f-18s <laughs> th- we would be talking about our favorite movies of those respective years yeah um, um so yeah so i have never gonna... I, I the I, i'll take the hit on this
0: one yeah it's the issue's me uh but man rewatching top gun I didn't talk about this because I didn't like not really counting Top Gun as a mm-hmm. watch for the journal because I it was like preparation. If it's, been, if it's been years though, like but it I was preparation, like... so I'm talking about I it. See, yeah. I see. I uh, see. Rewatching Top Gun, it reminds me of something. I can't remember if it was. Tra- it's usually Trey Parker. He's the more vocal of the two, mm-hmm. right? For sure. When they were talking about Team America and like talking about what they wanted to lampoon about like the the Jerry Bruckheimer Don Simpson type of mm-hmm. movies, they were talking about like how often the the heroes in that the movie like they are introduced 100 percent sure that they're the shit and then something happens that makes them go wait am i not the shit and then by the, end of the movie it's like they're they they like resolution is like no nope, i'm the shit yeah and like top gun <laughs> follows that oh 100 so, i mean and this is this is cliche at this point but i, I I'll, I'll mention it because i like i said haven't seen the movie in 25 30 years um but a lot of people have pointed out that... Like, when I watched Top Gun as a kid, I hated Iceman so much. Right. When I watch it now, like, Iceman is the voice of reason. He is the responsible... Like, oh, yeah. Like, nothing he says is villainous. He yeah. just wants Maverick to be responsible yeah. and to care about the lives of his, uh, like, other team members or whatever. Yeah. It's He's not, like... The, the he's not like undercutting or devious and, and you know he's not selfish in the way that hangman is a little yeah. bit in in top gun maverick like i was 100 percent team Iceman man when i rewatched them yeah it's uh, one thing that that
1: i a thought i did have and i was happy to see that other people on twitter though even, even those people they they liked it more we it's like i think maybe the big conclusion here is uh yeah we should just use drones I think drones are fine. I think they would really have accomplished this a lot easier. <clears throat> but I know that's not the point. The point is very hands on, and, you know, let's, uh, let's not let go of the, uh, the human element quite so easily.
0: Yeah. Um, man, also, but we should move on to other movies, but also rewatching Top Gun. Like, uh, it, Anthony Edwards was in Revenge of the Nerds, mm. where he was a nerd. Mm. And then he was in Top Gun. Where he was a cool guy and then his career clearly chose one of those and not the other like you know i've always loved anthony edwards as an actor i love him in zodiac i loved him on er um uh, but it's weird how he never really played like a cool guy again (laughs) even goose is kind of a nerd cool guy though because he's the family man or whatever but yeah he's like he's still like oh his name's goose his name's goose yeah yeah um interesting all right uh let's move on to my first movie okay um uh first of two african movies in a, in a row that i that i watched i watched 1968's mandabi directed by usman sambeni i don't mm-hmm. know if that's how you say it um but it was the um uh it's a senegalese movie and it was the first movie that was shot in the language that uh they speak in this part of okay. uh the, the country i i think um Wolof is, I can't remember the name of the, the language, uh, exactly, but, um, this is a terrific movie. It reminded me, it's a very different story, but it reminded me of of Upton Sinclair's The Jungle, Hmm. which is like using one man's story as a parable for multiple things that are wrong with that society. And so basically you've got this guy, he has a nephew who has moved to Paris and is making money and he, his nephew sends him a money order. For 25,000 francs, which I don't know how much money that is in 1968 uh, in Senegal. But um, uh, it's enough that people are... Word immediately gets out that this guy has gotten the money order. And so before he can even, like, cash it, people are coming at him from all sides. He's, you know, making promises. Then there are bureaucratic reasons that he is delayed in trying to cash it and he ends up having to go through some sort of like you, you know uh, uh, connections you know who you know like there's there's a corruption there and so it's just like this guy's life is completely changed mostly in ways that are bad by not even getting money getting a piece of paper that says he's supposed to get money and uh, it, it manages to explore various um, levels of basically Poverty in 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 this town, and the ways that um, poverty makes people uh, uh, can make people small-minded or self-centered or avaricious, and then also poverty breeds crime and corruption. So, like the few people who do have are more in a in a position to take more advantage of the have-nots because they need them you know right. the, and, and, and uh, uh but it's also like often a surprisingly funny movie at the same time in this sort of like slice of life depiction of this like town and and the in in the way that um uh people interact and the way they ask for favors and the way that they talk to one another he also has like um he has two wives which is like not at all commented on in the movie i guess sure. it's just like uh something that can happen in that okay. uh t- time and place uh but, uh, yeah, really fantastic in terms of how it makes various arguments but also never seems, like, dry, never seems like a polemic, never seems strident. It's, uh, it's, it's also very, mm. like, like, earthy and naturalistic and human at the same time. And it's all over in, you know, 90-something minutes. It's mm. a, a fantastically um, economical and yet very uh, big statement type of movie. Now you said this is the f- the the first of two African films that you yes, watched. Yes. um
1: Out of curiosity, like what prompted that? Uh, anything in particular?
0: No. Um, I have a stack of unwatched Criterion Blu-rays. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and I guess they I happened to get these at the. Uh, hey, if you want to throw any my way, I'd uh, be
1: happy to uh, take a look at them and um, uh, review them, and then uh, you know.
0: Oh, these are probably too old for review I oh, don't think right. these are these are just like things that I have oh that's too bad
1: um yeah okay so I watched this okay I don't want to crap on this movie but uh, I saw this movie because I was originally planning to see planning to see crimes of the future but I had a tough day And it was like nine thirty. I was like, I don't think as much as I badly want to see it. I don't think I'm up for Crimes of the Future, so I will see the Bob's Burgers movie, Um, (laughs) which admittedly put me in a much better mood. Yeah, Um, not that I was necessarily in a bad mood, but I was I was pretty drained, but I also wanted to see a movie.
0: Let me say this though: Crimes of the Future, I think, is more fun than people are giving credit for. I have no doubt. Uh, I mean, because it's it's essentially a noir.
1: No, I didn't know. I didn't know it was that far. I knew that there was like a sort of an. Uh, not necessarily a detective, a detective element, but, like, a, a mystery element. A
0: mystery element to it. Yeah, like the, the, yeah, the, the Viggo Mortensen and Lea Seydoux are, are performance artists whose particular performance art lends them to Scott Speedman's character wanting to get them involved in his attempts to sort of, like, uncover a government, like, yeah. conspiracy. And so they're, like... in typical noir fashion they're like dragged into the criminal uh uh underworld so it's it's essentially a noir but with a very Cronenberg uh touch to it and that's the thing is like
1: invariably if I'm seeing a good movie it doesn't really matter what the tone is it will put me it will invigorate me and put me in a good mood so I probably should have just done that but anyway um but I hear Bob's Burgers is it's a lot of fun. fun and and I've not seen every episode of Bob's Burgers I've seen several um enough to to kind of get the vibe of it and you know anytime you make a show i'd say especially an animated show i'd say even more especially an animated show of a very specific i'd say understated comedic tone and you make that into like an hour and a half long big screen feature film it's like boy you you run a risk of of not uh not porting it over well enough uh, but I think they do I think the story that th- did you see it
0: no okay I was supposed to see it yeah oh okay and then, well I haven't said this on the show yet but I got COVID <laughs> like oh right right over yes. uh, almost two. Well, I guess like a month and a half ago I got COVID right um, and so I have not seen Bob's Burgers movie or Men both movies both oh, screenings okay. I had to cancel uh, at the last minute because I got COVID I was fine it, uh, I uh, only had it for like four and a half days or only had symptoms for like four and a half days and they were never that bad and I'm fine now Uh, but uh, yeah I'd never said that on the show but I figured I should because I I think I fell victim to that like feeling embarrassed about getting COVID thing that I I think a lot of people feel that Uh, um, yes uh, and I don't so I'm trying to fight against that like it's not it's not a, a personal or moral failing to have gotten COVID um, but uh, I'm you know lucky I was vaxxed and boosted and, and this I'm assuming it was a more recent variant that is less yeah. uh, uh, drastic than some of the er- early ones so uh, yeah I was recently like at work the other day I was talking to someone who was like um, not in my office like, a vendor had like been like working from the office like this entire time like you know never was really working from home um and I was like, oh, yeah, did you ever get COVID? Because I feel like right now, so many of my friends in 2022, right. including you, yes, <laughs> like since 2022, like so many of my friends have gotten COVID. And this is like long after vaccines that I forget how bad it was early on. So I, yeah. I just casually asked like, oh, yeah, did you ever get it? He was like, yeah, I did. Uh, my friend that I got it from died. And like its a reminder of how far we've we've come with this thing, not that it's not a threat anymore, especially to people who are older, older I mean, compromised yeah. and things like that. we still have to like yeah. you know try and stop spreading it because those people are still uh, at risk but uh it was just a reminder of that and, anyway, and I went way off topic of course here. there's
1: uh, because people who are vaccinated are have gotten it, there are people who are sort of anti Vax, who are like, oh, see, it didn't stop the spread. It's like, eh, maybe not, but admittedly, like, for almost all of those people, it was a bad cold. Before that, certainly, if you were above a certain age, and sometimes not even that, like, it was a a, a problem. Like, mm-hmm. you could actually die. I know people whose relatives have died uh, because they got it before they before there was anything that could fight against it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there there were things that could like mitigate it a little bit but not not like this so it's you know it's yeah for my money it's like well you know it's i'm glad that i even though i got COVID i'm glad that i got like uh vaccinated and and boosted just because the whole house got it and it was it was tough it was a bad cold but we were over it in like you know a week and a half so it, yeah. and at no point did any of us fear for our lives. Like that's, it was just yeah. a bad cold. Yeah, that's
0: so. That's, that's where I was. Uh, my main regret was that I had not gone grocery shopping recently sure. before I. So I spent a ton of money on DoorDash <laughs> for, oh. that, for that week. Do you have Instacart? Um, I guess I could have done groceries, but I think we also Natalie and I had like, when we got COVID. We had just like it was days after we moved into our new place, mm. and so there was a part of like. Let's try the restaurants around here. Oh, around here. So we like absolutely. got a lot of delivery over that. Yeah. That we, I mean, yeah, it was like a little over a week because I had it, and then now they got it right at the tail end mm. of when I when I had it. Anyway, that's I'm glad you're family. feeling better. Uh, yeah, and this, uh, this, was, this was like I said, almost a month yeah. and a half ago, or a month and a half ago. Yeah,
1: but uh, but yeah. So the Bob's Burgers movie, I think, you know, the the key, sort of like with the Simpsons movie, is you 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 can't just have it be. I guess you could. You could try to have it be like, hey, it's essentially just a long regular episode that's like yes but it is going to be bigger and you the the episode itself needs to have more stakes you are making a movie that's going to be in theaters and the story that they're telling is a is a a more in-depth one and and one that has higher stakes and one that you know they they make it into like a musical Uh, I would say that like the songs are fun while you're watching them like I'd be hard pressed Mm. to recount any aspect of any of the songs but uh but yeah it's if you like bob's burgers which i do it's not my it's not like my favorite show but it ch- uh, you know i chuckled a few times in the movie and it's just a very just like the show itself it's very pleasant and uh and nicely awkward and uh, i was i was glad i saw it
0: okay um moving on i i feel like a a, a dumb westerner a dumb american because um, i said two African films in a row, which is true, but I should have okay. said two Senegalese films in a row. Oh, okay. They're both from the same country. This is like, uh, I once saw like someone refer to tacos as Latin American food, which is like, yeah, that's technically true in right. the sense that, like, you know, uh, Bolognese is European food, yeah. but tacos are Mexican, and Bolognese yeah. is Italian. And so I feel dumb being like, just treating Africa as one big amorphous thing that's bad it's a bad like uh at
1: at the same time there there are moments like like my kids like uh they are mexican like specifically as far as like the culture and stuff that they come out of and uh, not to mention ethnicity and yet somehow similar to in uh, 30 rock when um when I think um, I think it's Salma Hayek who, who shows up and she's okay. she's Puerto Rican and she just says I'm Puerto Rican and like all the white people are like ah yeah, that doesn't feel right to say that it's like that just <laughs> doesn't sound right like they're so used to just like if you just say the nationality as opposed to like the larger thing right. uh, it's instinctively like ah. This- technically true but at the same time it feels like there's an insult in there somewhere right
0: <laughs> wasn't um, there an office like
1: probably yeah where, yeah um, yeah uh but at the same time like an unsure jack donaghy is like one of the funniest things in the world like yeah. him just being like wow that uh, really does not sound right um but anyway so go on yes
0: okay so uh, the other senegalese film i saw is um tukibuki or uh IMDb tells me also known as the journey of the hyena mm-hmm. um and uh, this movie is terrific okay uh this is up my alley this is essentially a sort of like lovers on the run movie oh okay um it's uh basically this uh this couple um in their probably early 20s or whatever they're uh sick of the small town life and they want to leave senegal and go to paris but they need to um get i was gonna say earn they need to get some money in order to do that and they are willing to get the money however they uh they they can um and so it's basically them driving around trying to like rip people off but also it has this feeling of they're just like of of they're just trying to be free um uh it's it, it it's not as as chaotic as pure which i love and i know you don't like um it's not quite as chaotic as as that but it has some of that like anything can happen type i of... kind of
1: warmed to it <laughs> yeah. like it just after watching it which sometimes happens with movies like that yeah uh in the moment it's like Ugh, i can't get a handle on this and then after a while and then after you watch it or after i watch it it's just well, i don't need to have a handle on it strictly speaking it's yeah. so like what am i left thinking about it's like oh actually good things and funny things so you know what that's that's okay
0: um yeah so it's a um uh just very like feels very it's 1973 and it feels very like early like new hollywood just freedom just like Hmm. um uh doing whatever we want type of movie you know something obviously it has um things in common with badlands which is also a lovers on the run Mm -hmm. uh type of movie and easy rider because it's like a motorcycle road trip type of movie as well so it has all of these the one thing i'll the one big criticism uh is that i think a large chunk of the movie is i think very homophobic because one of like the main guy they rip off is like this you know decadently rich guy but he's also like very gay like very clearly right. gay and like i don't know i don't know where if there's any divide between the movie like criticizing him for how uh for his like conspicuous consumption or criticizing him for being gay like right. seems to be a lot of overlap <laughs> in 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 those things uh that's my one problem but uh i still thought that i mean the movie's terrific with that with that asterisk
1: all right, next for me is a film I believe you've seen, which okay. is uh, Scott McGee and David Siegel's Montana Story. Yes, I loved this. Uh, I don't know if I'd say I loved it. I really, really liked it. It's very much my kind Well, you know of what movie. put me over the top to loving it? Haley Lou Richardson. Haley Lou Richardson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think both the leads are pretty great. Uh, I, I've limited exposure to Owen Teague. Um, I'd seen him in a couple things here and there. Liked what I saw, but, uh, you know, he kind of was sort of a character he's kind of you know he's tall kind of gawky and, and all that so like he plays he's in a couple of stephen king things he plays harold lauder in the the uh, paramount uh, or cbs or whatever okay uh the stand and then he's oh. in uh he's in the it movies
0: he was in the first episode of a, a pbs series called mercy street do you remember that it had um uh mary elizabeth winstead and hmm. uh ted mosby from how i met your mother what's his name i don't josh josh Radner. josh Radner uh, and some other people but it was a, a interesting series a cool series it took place during the civil war at a hospital in alexandria virginia that was like a union run hospital but had would treat anyone who was wounded mm. so there were union soldiers and confederate soldiers being treated huh. there and uh owen teague is a con- plays a confederate soldier in the pilot episode hmm. of mercy street spoilers he's not in any other episodes after that <laughs> got it uh, and i do know that
1: in the on that show bloodline which i never watched i know that he plays a young ben Mendelssohn, which is like yes oh, yeah. i believe that 100% yeah, I get that. Yeah. um but uh, but yeah no i like both of them and I, and one of the things that i really like it's weird like the thing that keeps me from loving it is the kind of thing where it's like yeah but i'm requiring a certain a certain line of logic from characters that are hurt and i feel like i should that's not fair of me i feel like i shouldn't do that um hmm. but but i also it's like ah, that, but it it feels like a writing oversight as opposed to like characters that are irrational um and and i i don't really want to get into it even though like they, they get into it pretty overtly like in the trailer um but essentially it's it's a small thing and it's, it's handled so well by the actors that it doesn't necessarily bother me. Um, but I think the thing that, that really gets me in both of these performances, like these are two characters that are obviously fairly lonely and they are, they have felt a certain degree of hurt, uh, a certain degree of anger, a certain degree of guilt. Um, I'd say in the case of Owen Teague, there's a a, a certain degree of arrested development. Um, Not completely, he's still an adult, still functional and all that. But now that his sister is back, you see him sort of revert. You can see him kind of falling back into like a 15 year old kid um, Mm -hmm. with, with like eagerness to please and that sort of thing. And I think that's what I like is that you know, if you just look on the page, the, the script is, is solid. If you just look on the page, everything's fairly straightforward. But in the direction and the music and the performances, it really suggests like for everything they're saying, there's like eight things they're not saying because if they start, they won't stop. And so they are opting not to. And I think and I really appreciate that, not to mention just the specificity of the story. Like this isn't just like generic I, I feel bad saying this like as far as this kind of movie it's not like generic strained relationship generic abusive upbringing mm-hmm. like there are very specific stories that you can that these characters can point to and say that was a breaking point you know that sort of thing and so I really I appreciate that sort of thing um, and uh, and I yeah it's this is very much the my kind of of movie and it's been a while since i've seen one like it yeah uh, um and so yeah i liked it a lot and these i thought i saw in the
0: theater too uh, i did not see in the theater i saw it in the screener um, um these are the guys who also made the deep end with with tilda swinton um oh my and uh what's his name from er that was gorn, a while ago gorn, Viznik. gorn Viznik, yeah. yeah um yeah uh, so they're they're oh, very okay. talented. Uh, I already talked about the movie at length, at uh, some length, on a solo movie journal. So the only thing I'll say, um, my own I love Haley Richardson. She continues to be one of my favorite working actors. Uh, my the one asterisk, the one caveat here is there scene, there's a scene in this movie where she smokes a cigarette, and it is very clear that Haley Richardson is not a smoker. Hmm. I honestly wish that I could like teach classes <laughs> if, sure. there's any, if anything like positive could come from my, my very bad decision to smoke cigarettes is that I could teach because I think it's good that young people don't smoke cigarettes as much right. anymore that's great but I want to teach actors yeah. because it's not in, in, in the movie if you remember that scene when she has a cigarette it's clearly she References being a smoker, yes, and so it's not like it's her first cigarette. She's supposed right. to have some ease and facility with it, and she's holding it like it's going to like burn her, which is the main thing that you can tell yeah. when someone is not used to smoking is that they're very aware that they have fire in their hands and they're yeah. like trying to keep it away from their face. Um, yeah. Their fingers and, are too stiff. It's yeah. You go back and look at like uh, Bogart
1: or, or Mitchum, and you're just like, now there's guys who know how to smoke.
0: Eh, because, yeah,
1: because <laughs> Bogart especially uh, yeah. you know, died horribly of cancer, but yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Um, the other actor that I'll, 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 I'll point out, and I didn't mention this in my review or when I talked about the movie journal, um, Kimberly Guerrero plays the, um, it's wrong to call her the housekeeper, because it clearly like, her role is much bigger than that, caretaker, maybe, yeah. of the ranch? Uh, yeah. I'm not it's, sure. I think she plays multiple roles, because she's not. Not she, literally, but that character right, yeah, has yeah, yeah, yeah. wears like, multiple hats at the ranch. Yeah.
1: And she's almost, you kind of get the impression that like she was sort of a nanny uh, type yeah. Yeah. Uh, when they were younger. Yeah,
0: she um, she's great. Yeah. Um, I, I know Actually, the her. whole cast is great. I know her mostly from the episode of Seinfeld where she's Elaine's Native American friend that Jerry uh, offends, <laughs> which is probably an episode I haven't watched it forever. That episode probably doesn't hold up very well, um, but uh, that's the main thing I know her from. She also. Uh, I, <laughs> Um, there's one episode of Sopranos where she's a dealer in the Indian mm-hmm. casino. Um, but she's a. I, I, I like when she pops up and thinks that she's quite good in this. Yeah. Right. It's a solid movie. Yeah. All right. Moving on to, uh, a movie that I, uh, doesn't come out for a couple weeks and hasn't really played any festivals or anything, but I double checked the email. I'm not under embargo. Um, Anthony Fabian's Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Okay. Um, this I've is seen
1: posters uh, for it
0: uh and so it's got a really fun cast leslie man leslie manville plays uh mrs harris isabel huper is in it lambert wilson lambert wilson i should i should probably say uh jason isaacs um has a has a small role um uh there's an uh anna chancellor who i only i don't know if you know who that is she's Mm -hmm. in four weddings and a funeral so the reason i recognized her immediately um but the the movie is just it's uh well first off i'm looking the movie hasn't come out yet i'm looking at the letterboxed right up and it says it lists the the info is 92 minutes no the movie is longer than that if only it were only 92 Mm. minutes it's it's closer to a full two hours um and that's a big part of the problem it's it's too long it's too uh uh mockish and and corny for the most part the leslie manfield plays a um you know a uh house cleaner a working uh woman who one of her clients is a rich lady who uh goes to paris and buys a christian dior dress and and uh mrs harris is so ta- uh, she's a widow by the way uh, that's the missus there's no mister around mm-hmm. uh, he uh movie takes place in the late 50s and he died in in world war ii um and she became, she's so taken with the dress that she decides she's gonna like scrimp and save every bit of money she can and um go to Paris herself and get herself a Christian Dior dress. Um, And Isabel Huppert plays... Weirdly, Isabel Huppert plays the Leslie Manville role from Phantom Thread, if that makes sense. Oh, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, And uh, uh, so, yeah, it's it's just... it, It has a lot of, like, really weak, like, messaging of, like, just be nice and be positive and things will... Uh, happen for you and and there's a whole like storyline about the Dior house is like suffering financially and and she helps turn things around in a way that felt as simplistic as an an insulting as the end of Christopher Robin do you remember Uh, remember how bad that was Uh, so I I can't spend too much time it's mostly bad but here's the middle section of the movie which is just her in Paris because turns out as we know from things like Phantom Thread, if you buy a dress from Christian Dewar, especially at this time, it's not like off the rack. You're buying the style and they have to like, you have to come in for multiple fittings. Mm -hmm. So she ends up having to stay in Paris for like a couple weeks. And that whole section is actually uh, where the movie shines because uh, so often I think you know, if you look at something like The Devil Wears Prada, which is a movie that I never really responded to, I know a lot of people like it, but I think that movie... The way that that movie argues for fashion and the importance of fashion Mm -hmm. feels reverse-engineered to me and feels false. It feels like, uh, well, I read about fashion and here's what I'm supposed to think about it. it. The middle section of Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris actually does, I think, take fashion and clothing design seriously as an art form and actually explores what... It means to people to pay for and then take possession of something that is uh, uh, well-crafted, artfully crafted, thing, nice things that are well-made. You know, I don't have anything, I don't have any clothes on that level. I'm not that kind of like... Style guy that I like, you know, save up for these like and wait in line for these holy grails or whatever. But I am a person who likes nice things. Mm -hmm. I think the idea of clothing-wise, owning fewer better things than just like cycling through fast fashion and you know your H and M's and Zara's and stuff like that. Target, Target, yeah, like owning like yeah that you know that pair of shoes, one pair of shoes might be. Uh, hundreds of dollars but also that pair of shoes if you take care of it occasionally get it resold that pair of shoes will last you the rest of your life Yes, that's the idea and I think well, I, so I'll end by saying a nice thing about Mrs. Paris, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris which is that I really do think it is written and made by people who take fashion seriously and take mm-hmm. clothing and design and construction uh, seriously and that's the last thing I'll say about it Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: All right. Well, let's pivot to my least favorite movie of the year, which is Colin Trevorrow's Jurassic World Dominion. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody uh, my review has been posted for a while now, so uh, I'm sure people, uh, if they are interested, they've already read it. Um, Man, it's just so stupid. And you know what? That is not inherently a mark against a movie. There are plenty of stupid movies that I kind of love, but there is a certain kind of stupid where it's just like because they just didn't put in the effort to be smart. You know what i mean like because i do th- i think that's the thing that tends to bother me the most is when you have all of these resources at your disposal you can make pretty you could probably make whatever it's a jurassic world movie it was going to make money yeah no matter what now some people when they hear that they take risks you know you and i often talk about batman returns being the risk that admittedly infuriated the studio and baffled audiences. But who cares? (laughs) Like
0: it still it made its its money. Yeah, it's uh, uh,
1: gremlins, too. You know, it's yeah. uh, Certain filmmakers be like, okay, let's really do something here. Uh, And while there are a couple of uh, uh, unexpected moments uh, or or unexpected plot lines in Jurassic World Dominion, uh, they're unexpected because no one could ever expect something so stupid. Um, and so
0: uh, that reminds me I'm trying to remember who the guest was on the Slash Film cast so long ago what was the I never saw it the Gerard Butler movie was it called like Law Abiding Citizen that's the or one something? yeah, yeah.
1: I, I didn't see it I don't even really remember what it was about
0: um, yeah I never saw it either but I remember one of the Slash Film hosts I think it was Tosh Robinson was the guest and one of the Slash Film hosts talking about how like they got like outsmarted by that movie, because I guess it has a twist ending, and she was like, did you get outsmarted or was it just the movie was stupider than you ever possibly could have thought of yourself? That's about right, yeah. Um, uh, it's uh, Tommy
1: Johnigan has a wonderful bit about uh, trying to explain iTunes to his mom, (laughs) and saying like, I'm not smart enough to be dumb enough to know how to explain this to you. Um, And that's very much how Jurassic World Dominion feels. Uh, And you know, it's... Colin Terraro is not a bad director of action and yet somehow it, it often feels so soulless that I just didn't, I didn't care about what was happening on screen. There are a handful of moments that are really effective. There's a scene where a character, uh, is, has ejected out of a plane. So she's like still connected to her chair and the first parachute is destroyed by you know pterodactyls as will happen. Uh,
0: are they pteranodons?
1: or pteranodons. There are apparently like eight or nine different okay. species in the film, but um, and so she, and and so she does the second one and it's fine. But the whole time that she's falling and this is happening, like it's all essentially like one continuous shot just of her face, and, and like and, and yeah, essentially like uh, medium close up. And, that, and so, like, you're right there with her, and you're seeing the terror on her face. Like, okay, this this is working for me. I actually, this is uh, frightening and, and and thrilling. And then when she lands, she's, like, hanging from a tree, and she's just high up enough that a dinosaur that is not a carnivore, and it's a dinosaur that I was unfamiliar with, I don't remember the name of it to this day, but it's a, it's an unusual-looking dinosaur. And it does what I've always wanted these films to do, which it says, like, just because they won't eat you doesn't mean they won't kill you. Hmm. And so there's this extended sequence where this thing is moving very slowly uh, and it is clearly dangerous and it clearly feels a little bit threatened by her. And she is trying to figure out like how to navigate that. It's a wordless sequence, which I think is to the, always <laughs> to the credit of this film. Um, <laughs> but uh, that sequence is really solid. That, that's all I can think of. Obviously, Goldblum is a lot of fun. Campbell Scott shows up. Oh. And he's great. Oh. He plays... uh, They bring him back as Dodgson, uh, the guy who initially... Yeah, but who initially wasn't played by Campbell Scott. Correct, because uh, that actor uh, was... Discovered to be a, a, a sex predator and uh, sent to prison, so they can't bring him back. Yeah, probably a good, um, good call. But uh, but they but Campbell Scott, both in the way they write him, but the way he plays it, it's like, ooh, this is, mm. and there's a scene between him and and Goldblum where they're like, you know, angry at each other. It's like, oh, oh, this is exciting. I, I this is so much more exciting than anything dinosaur related. Um, so yeah, it's but for the most part, the other big thing is like. They bring, you know, they bring back the, these three legacy characters. They bring back, you know, Sam Neill and Laura Dern and and yeah. Of course, they know how to use Goldblum because it's not that hard to know how to use Goldblum. You just wind him up and let him go. Um, the other two, it's just it's so perfunctory. I don't even feel like I'm looking at the same characters. And I'm part of a couple of like Jurassic Park like fan groups on Facebook, and you know there are a lot of people who said like I was disappointed and then some people like oh you're just thinking too much like I just I was just excited to see those characters again it's just like so you're literally just excited at their presence in a film because they're not the same characters really Um, and they're not given anything good to do so really it's just the visual of them being on your screen in the context of a Jurassic film that's it that is the that, and you know what, like, that is what the that's what the director's uh, the director was clearly counting on, because um, he didn't really put much effort into making yeah. them anything either, so it's just it's just such a nothing film, except it's also two and a half hours of nothing, of which course. is off putting. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and I, you know, I'm also, I was also excited that. You know hey they were excited to see the legacy characters i was excited to see the dilophosaurus come back and if you if you look it doesn't take a genius to know that how much they're going to pander so like okay dilophosaurus is back what did the dilophosaurus do in the last film it killed Nedri. who's back Okay, I think we can. Yeah. it's not going to take much to add two and two here and figure out how a certain character is going to die. Poetic justice. So, uh, but yeah, it's it is a oh, just awful, just awful.
0: Um, so while you were talking, I was listening, ah. but I was also looking up Cameron Thor, the actor who played oh, Dodgson Oh boy. Uh, well, t- he has completed his prison sentence. Yes, he, he he He's, could have. He was available. He was. He <laughs> I was. I think they still made the right call.
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Um i yeah i did look I did look him up because I thought he was still in jail uh yeah it's I would have i i I think I would have liked it's like you know we are bringing the legacy characters back, I think people are gonna be real excited to see him provided they don't look him up on Wikipedia if they yeah. don't do that they're gonna be
0: thrilled <laughs> yeah all right, um <clears throat> next up for me is a new um uh, or at least new ish from new to these shores, uh, Chinese film called a new old play, uh, directed by, uh, Chu Jong Jong. Um, and, uh, it reminded me, uh, I, I, going back, you know, a millennium, um, when you and I did, uh, a profile of Zhang Yimou, do you remember that? Oh boy. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but i think i believe you watched the film to live i think i can't remember if you watched the movie. you watched judo and you didn't watch to live i can't remember. no
1: i don't remember honestly um,
0: but it, in a way it kind of reminded me of to live in the sense that it is it uses a the the story of a character who's an artist um in to live it was uh and that's only part of the story in to live that he was a puppeteer uh, there are other things going on um uh, in this case, he's an an actor and and uh, head uh, eventual like head of a theater troupe um, to tell the story of a section of Chinese history, the but the main difference between to live and a new old play is that there's much more <laughs> high concept to um, uh, to to live or to uh, a new old play. Because the main character in the opening scene dies, and we you know we don't see him die, we see essentially two demons, like they're just you know men. Okay, got they're it. just men, but like they're essentially like grim reapers come to claim mm-hmm. him and take him to what the movie, or at least the subtitles, call hell. But I don't think that's the right. Comparison for what, like, because we think of hell as a place of eternal torment. Sure. This seems like it's more of like a limbo type of like waiting area okay. where souls go to pass on. And so then, he, while in let's continue to call it hell, the ne- let's call it the netherworld, while in sure. the netherworld, um, he relives his entire life. So we see his his uh, in, entire life um, in, and we see him go through things that have a lot to do with chinese history that i have to admit i don't know enough about like early 20th century and mid 20th century chinese history to really know what all of the references were were about but various periods of of war and and revolution and economic uh, uh, ups and downs all take place but all of it is done in this like very heightened sort of like every scene is like almost like a tableau like they're all on sound stages they're all supposed to be you know outdoors or whatever but there's just backdrop suggesting the the location and and everything's very heightened and play like he was a an actor and a uh head of a theater troupe so um it makes sense that he's reliving his his entire life while he's waiting to move on to whatever comes next um in this theatrical way uh and so, even not really knowing much about the specific history, and, and I don't know if the movie is like instructive enough that I actually learned <laughs> much history. The movie is still like so much fun in a way, and it's like often very dark, but it's it's so beautiful, and like and the concept uh, uh, of it is is so engaging and, and well realized that uh, even at nearly three hours long, which it is. Um, but doesn't, but it didn't really feel that long because yeah. it's like sometimes things that are episodic, if they're episodic in a bad way, it can stretch it out and make it feel too long. Right. But sometimes if you're just watching, it's sort of like how people can binge an entire season of a good show sure. because it doesn't feel like you watched for 15 hours. It feels like you just watched a bunch of little things. And I think, uh, that's kind of how a new old play, it doesn't feel like three hours because it's a bunch of little vignettes, um, that are all good, uh, and uh yeah i uh uh highly recommend a new old play
1: all right uh so i saw the movie watcher directed by chloe okuno um starring Micah naro who's always fun to see uh and it is about this uh young woman who uh is married and moves to um uh, i want to say it's romania might be wrong about that i could look Um, that way Yes, please do so. Uh, But she doesn't know anybody and, you know, she doesn't speak the language, but her husband does. He's there for work. So they move to this, you know, really nice, but fairly empty apartment. Um, And that's where she's left every day while he uh, goes off to work. Romania. Romania. Okay. Um, And she starts to think, you know, she she looks directly across the street at, you know, the the building across and she sees uh, a window with like the shades open and she doesn't see inside, but it does look, she does see a silhouette and it appears that someone is looking at her. And so it's her. So at first it's like, okay, well, whatever. Um, and then slowly, but surely she starts to think that this person is now following her as she goes to the store nearby. Um, and there's, you know, the, there is a, uh, like a serial killer uh that is around uh in the city so that fuels her paranoia uh it's very the this one is called it's called the spider <laughs> okay uh the
0: lopper is from seinfeld the lopper the Cause lopper because
1: it, it lops your head off oh that's
0: he yeah. loves, he lo, the lopper yeah. yeah
1: lopper uh and so
0: so oh, you know it's my entire like, i i could find a way to talk about Seinfeld or Sopranos? Yeah, that's. With, with anything you bring up, I will yeah. connect it to Seinfeld or Sopranos.
1: Yeah, you were saying something earlier, and I couldn't remember. I, I don't remember what it was now, but it, when you said it, it, was like, oh, that's like Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, but I don't remember what it was. Anyway, um, so uh, so yeah, it's you know, it's obviously it's very Hitchcockian. Um, there's a lot of Rear Window in there. Um, but uh, and and there's some plans in there. The idea of of paranoia and it being in a strange place and surrounded by people, and either someone is actively pursuing you or people simply don't believe you. Um, so it it's it's a lot of what you've seen before. I'll say that. But that's okay as long as it's done in a way that yeah, is organic absolutely. and and feels fresh. And it certainly does. Like this is this is an extremely creepy movie like there's this oh beautiful sequence where she it's nighttime she's alone she's looking up she sees the silhouette and she's like talking to it and she's like you're not actually looking at me are you and then she like waves her hand and nothing happens and she's like okay yeah that's what i thought and as she turns away you see the hand raise Mm -hmm. and it's like and it's all done quietly and it's behind it's like and it's it's just stuff like that, I love that. And it's done so well, um, and yeah, it's it's a film that I definitely recommend. I, it's you know a cool ninety minutes, which I like, um, occasionally pretty darkly funny, but also pretty grisly too. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I was really glad I saw it. It's one of those so I have the the AMC. Uh, stubbs member thing or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I know it's AMC, uh regardless what Nicole Kidman says, I don't think they make movies better. Although, probably the 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 most exciting thing about uh about seeing Top Gun Maverick for me is I realized that that promo of Nicole Kidman walking into AMC theaters was shot at the theater that I was seeing Top Gun Maverick uh, at, which is a uh, Porter, Porter Ranch. Ranch. Yeah. yeah. And I was
0: like, "Hey, fun!" Um, so that was very exciting. For yeah, me. I think I learned from Twitter that that's where that was shot. I will say I've never seen the Nicole Kidman thing because mm-hmm. I don't go to AMC. I mean, I go to AMC's for press screenings, but they don't show sure. up before press screenings. Right, right. I, I don't. I, I don't know. I'd never really. I didn't. I don't think I made a decision to not go to AMC's, but I haven't been to an AMC in y- even before the pandemic years. Like just like as a customer, I just it's, don't. I think it just
1: it was, because there are so many smaller chains around LA. I mean, you know, if I had to pick a favorite, I'd say Lemley. I really love the yeah. Lemley theaters, um, but there are way more AMC's. There are more options, and
0: uh, hmm. well, I guess especially
1: was, living where I live, there are several yeah. within you know a, a ten to fifteen minute drive.
0: Where I lived previously in North Hollywood, I had the Lemley NoHo Seven, which is like most of the Lemleys are like pretty like art house or indie whatever mm. focused but noho seven is one that has a mix it's a you know, nice like, mix that's a great theater uh yeah it really is so i would go there and then there's the cinemark which i actually yeah. really like seeing movies at yeah i've been going long enough since before they had the uh reclining chairs but i still yeah, like the reclining it, chairs yeah i mean we lived right there and
1: uh it was kind of a junky little theater for a while and then they like really put money yeah. into it but uh yeah
0: i think i'm trying to think when they changed that Oh, at this point, it was probably easily 10 years ago. Because I remember... I'm trying to think what was the first thing I saw after they changed it. Because I know I remember the um, the Tarzan movie with Alexander Sarsgard? Skarsgård. scars Skarsgård. Are you having a stroke? No. Um, I think it's just Tarzan? Is it just called... Or is it called The Legend the of Tarzan? The Legend of Tarzan. Yeah. That sounds right. I know I, I saw that there with the new chairs. Yeah. And I know I saw Drive with the old chairs. Mm. Somewhere in between there is when they changed it. It's,
1: yeah. And that's uh, the thing is like, there are other, th- I mean, back in the days of Movie Pass, where you could go to almost any theater, I love that because there were, sometimes I go to AMC, sometimes I go to Lemley, sometimes I go to a Regency, whatever. And that was great. But now I just got locked into this AMC thing. And once you're locked into it, it's like, well, I don't want to go anywhere else because I'm already paying for this. That's, I'm right. sure, the psychology behind it. Yeah. Uh, and, and so that's the thing is, when you have it, there's this feeling of like, well, I need to justify it. And so that, so it's like, oh, well, I don't know, I didn't know anything about Watcher, anything. I, I saw that Micah Monroe was in it. I was like, okay, well, at least that'll be good. Yeah. Um, so it forces you to justify the cost, which means seeing movies that I might not see otherwise. And I, and that's exciting to me. I really like that. Um, and even something like the Bob's Burgers movie, um, you know, it's, it's just feeling like, oh, I'll I'll go see this uh, just so I I can get out of the house and mm-hmm. it doesn't it's not gonna cost me anything but time at this point. I mean, obviously, just because the money's already been spent, it's yeah. not gonna cost me anything but time. So I'll go do that, and so it definitely like I'm already I've already seen way more movies this year than I have than I had at this point last year. And a lot of that is because of uh, just the the ability to just kind of casually go to uh, one of these theaters and just see kind of whatever's there and the kind of feeling a little bit of pressure to do that, but a good pressure. So,
0: Well, I've got one more movie, and then I think you have one more? Yes. Okay, so my next and final movie uh, is, I guess I'll call it documentary, directed by Rebecca Hunt. It's called, I think it's B-E-B-A. I think it's Beba. Okay. Um, And documentary isn't really the right word it's a sort of memoir of uh, a, a movie it's it's this um, woman Rebecca Hunt Beba is the nickname that her mother calls her um, uh, telling the story of of of, of her life um, of being you know the son of uh, uh, her father's from the Dominican Republic her mother's from Venezuela she grew up in in New York City um, and uh, I think if I if I wanted to get you know talk about the academic layers of the movie, it's definitely about um, various uh, the way that identities and economy shape the way that you interact with the world, as also and also the way and I think the the movie does a good job of the, it's it's going to be hard it would be hard I think for a director making a movie about themselves to address this but i think the movie addresses it well she's very beautiful okay and i think that the movie um is aware of the way that her life took a path other than what may have been laid out for her by her economic background and racial Mm. background over because she's very beautiful but also because she's talented there's not any one thing um so that That reminds me sorry go ahead
1: it reminds me of that wonderful uh, jim gaffigan bit where he says like you know sometimes when an actor or actress is too beautiful it takes you out of the film like he's like i saw monster's ball and you know uh halle berry is like in grinding poverty and i just thought like why didn't she become a model (laughs) like that would solve it
0: uh, but there so are. Just, like, no, I know that. Yeah, I There are beautiful people who are yeah. poor. Uh, yo, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, but anyway, what I'm. Uh, so that's like the academic reading of the movie is that it's about the way that um, various parts of self, both inner and outer, affect the way that you are able to move through the world. That's what the movie is about. But what I really want to uh, highlight, at least, is. Uh how beautiful the filmmaking is that this is um Baba Rebecca hunt is clearly someone who loves filming and has been filming for most of her life so she has a lot of footage to 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 pull from but there's also a lot of new footage um it's the the movie is uh incredibly colorful because you can just tell that's what she's drawn to so there are um lots of colorful color color ugh, colorful skies and nature but also colorful clothing and in Uh, accessories and everything is just full of 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 color and uh the way the movie is edited is um it was sort of she she narrates the movie herself and i thought i I thought about like you and tom anderson both (laughs) being people who made documentaries you narrated your first one but Mm -hmm. like made documentaries where you had someone else do the narration yeah and i think rebecca hunt doing the narration makes the film feel more personal because it's clear that she's not a professional voice act you know she's her narration is is good and it's written by her and she does well but it's there's a little bit of roughness uh uh to it and that really speaks to the movie as, as a whole it's it it feels very handmade but also very beautiful at at the same time there's a there's a mix of like impressionistic collage type work but then also some just like straight ahead just like interviews but like you know normally you you know you and i tend to both be a little bit like bored with like talking head style documentaries it changes when the person interview and the person being interviewed is the mother of the person doing interviewing and they're trying to talk about their like whole tumultuous uh uh uh, past and like she, you talked about Owen Teague's character, Montana story, kind of regressing when he goes home. You can see her like she wants to like be. You can see her wanting to be the filmmaker, like grilling her mother on the ways that right. she like failed her. But you also see her just like turning back into a teenager while she's hmm. trying to interview interview her mom. It's it's great. Um, the movie's really great. Ah, oh, it sounds. What is it? What's it called again? BABA B E B A. Oh, it sounds wonderful.
1: Um, okay, so my last film. I saw yesterday. It is Baz Luhrmann's.
0: The, oh, that you were talking about the Danny Boyle movie. Oh, it's
1: <laughs> the damnedest thing about movie titles is eventually everything you ever say yeah. <laughs> could be
0: a movie title. <laughs> uh, but no, I saw Baz Luhrmann's Elvis um have you seen it i have not uh seen it i was bummed i couldn't make the screening because i'm uh i'm a baz baz head i think sure sure you're a lure man (laughs) um so uh (laughs) literally belly (laughs) had to like hold my belly while it's a real problem actually (laughs) if you don't hold it you'll
1: get a terrible hernia um so uh it It was fucking fantastic. Oh, I'm so glad. I it's my favorite movie of the year.
0: Oh, I'm so glad.
1: Um, There are critics that hate it, and I understand why. They're wrong, but I understand why. Because yes, it does do. I I don't want to just like. I wrote my review today and posted it today, so I don't want to just like rehash everything I say there. You can just read that at BattleshipRetention dot com, but. It's yes, of course. It's a musical biopic movie, just like all the other ones, and it hits all the same points. But as we were talking about with Watcher, it's not how it does. It's not what it's doing. It's how it's doing it. Mm -hmm. Because Baz Luhrmann is not a passive, uh, be like, all right, let's let's just go through the motions. He's not that kind of filmmaker. Uh, The film has so much, of course, has so much energy, and. And this is something that we've we've said before. With any time a movie is is telling a a story about like a real person, is that there are certain movies, for, for my money, a beautiful day in the neighborhood is an example of this, where the the essence of the subject just starts to saturate the film itself.
0: Mm-hmm. So Tom Hanks is the common denominator here,
1: I guess so, and yet a very different character. Um, but uh, th- like Elvis's, it's not merely elvis himself and his charisma and his energy but it's also just the concept of elvis in the united states was so huge and so and and the the nation was so hysterical that that hysteria just just saturates the whole film certainly as as he's you know rising uh to the top but like and appropriately, like, there there are moments where, like, the, there's just these montages, like, here's the things you know, but we'll inject them with ener- energy so that you feel like you're living in this time and that you're watching his mete- meteoric rise and that you're excited for it. You're excited for him. Um, and, you know, and so, like, it's just and to say nothing of the performances themselves. Austin Butler as Elvis, like, every. There are people who hate this movie. No one, to my knowledge, has a bad thing to say about Austin Butler. And nor should they. It is one of the best performances I've ever seen. Not merely just in a musical biopic. Like, this is, uh, I say this in my review, this is the kind of performance, it's not reminiscent of Joaquin Phoenix in in Walk the Line. It's reminiscent of, like, Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant. Like, it is that level of intense and commitment and physicality. And
0: he Except just the movie's good. There's a lot I like about the Revenant, but <laughs> but that's the thing is like look, it, I'm never gonna pass up a chance to talk sure. about how much I hate the Revenant. <laughs> um, and that's the thing is like
1: I, you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I don't think I would have given DiCaprio like the the Oscar for the Revenant, but he definitely like him and I'd say like a um, like Russell Crowe and Gladiator, or even going back as far as to like. Uh, Gene Hackman and the French Connection like those are all three Mm. like best actor winning performances and it's like There's not a lot of like them sitting and talking about like what motivates them. They just act and they just do and they just throw Themselves into everything. This is that except those are action movies and like thrillers and you're the the characters are in danger Elvis is never in danger and yet the level of intensity but passion true passion like you you get the sense that elvis and austin butler are just feeding off of the energy of the audience and it's just and it's just like making them just grow on stage and it is so invigorating to see like it's and it does what i think a good biopic does which is like i love watching austin butler he's doing amazing things with his voice with his body uh but it also makes me want to go and listen to elvis you know what i mean um and what I also think is so wonderful is that the, and some people view this as, as a negative and I understand why you don't know much more about Elvis at the end than, uh, than at the end that you do that you don't at the beginning pardon mm-hmm. me I, and on one hand it's like well you know it's like I already kind of knew everything here it's like yeah but that's okay because we're not we're not trying to explain elvis we're trying to show elvis we're trying you're we're trying to make you experience elvis and that includes his mystique the idea that when you get to a certain point you are the image and the real person is truly unknowable especially to somebody on the outside which you as the viewer will always be on that note I would compare it, and I do in my review, to Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. <laughs> I would also throw public enemies in there.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking you of know. when you were talking about like not getting to know him. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. They throw in a couple of things here and there just to give you some tidbits, but they let a lot of stuff go unsaid and unspoken, and I don't think that is a mistake. And then, of course, at the core of the whole thing... I think it's a very, very effective movie about the nature of show business, the symbiotic nature of show and business show being Elvis business being Colonel Tom Parker Mm -hmm. and just how parasitic he is that he just sucks. He just drains the life out of out of Elvis. But there would be no Elvis if it weren't for Tom Parker, corrupt and horrendous as he was. And so it's just that really complicated relationship. The film is just doing so much, and it's doing it with such energy and such passion. And I would not describe the film as emotional, but I got emotional as I was watching it mm. because... And it's so rare for that to happen, that just the sheer energy, just the sheer life and exuberance of it got me emotional. And it's the it's one of those things like between like that and... Even something like like the new Doctor Strange, which obviously you know I, I liked more than you, but there's a lot of Sam Raimi in there. Not as much as we as there could have been, yeah. but more than I ever expected, given what he's working with. And so I like I watch this and I watch that, and I just think like, damn. Like, and I remember people saying this about uh, Ambulance as well. Mm. This idea, it's like, you know, e- even the misfires by a real auteur doing something is so much more interesting than just these middle of the road watchable vaguely enjoyable committee bland studio movies and i watched this and like yes this is the kind of movie that could actually make people angry that some critics are not going to like and i'll take that but other people like myself will love it and you know i i I, I have a friend who passed away many years ago. His name is Willie and he was a big Elvis guy. Loved Elvis. They played it at his funeral. And my first thought was like, fuck. <laughs> it's like, I wish Willie was still here because I want him to see this. So I settled for second best. I messaged friend of the show, Mike Schmidt, who's also a big Elvis guy. And I said, you need to see this movie. You might hate it, but I need to know what you think. <laughs> and so, um, And uh, it's just that kind of movie, and like, it's two hours and 40 minutes long. I felt every fucking minute of Jurassic World Dominion, (laughs) and that's about 10 minutes uh, uh, shorter. This thing flew by. I'm eager to see it again, and I realize I'm probably overselling it. It is entirely possible, similar to Public Enemies it's entirely possible that someone could listen to this amount of passion that I have, go see the movie and be like, I'm not getting any of this. That's absolutely possible and I don't blame you for it. But man, for me, it worked. I was so happy I saw it. Man, I'm, ugh, can't recommend it highly enough.